That's all right. Okay. On my cue. Tres, dos, uno. Is that the right order? Yeah. Yeah. Uno, dos, tres. Yeah. Catorce. All right. In three, two, cuatro, actually. one. Cuatro. Cuatro. Catorce is 40. Catorce. The matador uh, is back at the mic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good day, Saints. Welcome back to the City Table Podcast. Excited to be with you. Really grateful for the recent men and women that have been on this podcast, getting to hear stories of practitioners, those that God has called forward, given them a heart for their city, and are implementing wonderful values, stewarding dreams, and responding to Jesus' voice. Today, John and Ken, glad to be with you and excited to hear from the two of you around a really important topic. We've covered this kind of off and on throughout the history of this podcast, Uh, but today, just love you to go right into and take us into the heart of a biblical understanding of transformation. Now, we've got about 40 minutes, so this is no small (laughs) task. Uh-huh. But I know this is near and dear to both of your hearts, and as you both have paid attention to the transformation movement, so to speak, over the last several decades, uh, just have noted at times the absence of a clear biblical understanding of transformation. Ken, yeah, those, why? those underpinnings. Yeah, the, the undercurrents of theology, of biblical understanding. Uh, why is this important to you? And tell me about where we're going to be going today. Well, thanks, Dave. It's good to see you, buddy. God's story of transformation is powerful. And the idea of transformation, really, it it assumes if we're going to say we need to transform something, it assumes that something has drifted from its original design. So what was one formed has been altered. That's the problem is what was once formed by God now has been altered and it's now in need of transformation. And since the fall of Adam and Eve, the reality is the world that was once formed in perfection is now in need of being put back into order again. And so mm-hmm. today uh, we're going to dive into kind of unpacking the underpinnings of, of what is the, the, uh, the appropriate way that we should look at the work of transformation based on the biblical mandates that God has given us. And one of the things right out of the box is we're going to look at the worldviews that dominate the landscape uh, today. You know, there's there's a thing about human rule, which is when we when we set out to do the work based on what we think is right, we begin to act mm. independently of that design, right? And we fall into the place of determining what's right, what's wrong, what should be do- done, when I should do it. And we may even fall into questioning God in it. Mm. And then there's the worldview uh, that's on the landscape, which is one we want to talk about today, which is God's rule. So human rule versus God's rule. Um, so I want us to to do the work of transformation with the mindset that we're going to act upon God's design for our cities, for the culture. God wants to engage the culture. In fact, 
Transformation doesn't happen until the culture responds to the work that we're doing. So can we surrender to God, function in, in, a, in a way of stewarding God's vision and plans and design for our city and act upon his rule in our life versus our own rule? And so that's where we're going to go as we jump into God's plan for transformation. Awesome. So, John, the rule, the transition, the essential transition from self-rule to God's rule, what does that look like? And I guess, what's that look like biblically? Yeah, you know, part of the problem with self-rule is the whole world is under it right now. Uh, The whole world basically has decided that they're going to create a utopian society without God. They will determine what's right and wrong. And what's happened in that is that we have deified people's personal narratives. Truth now becomes personal. It's my Mm. truth rather than an overarching truth that God has embedded in all that he created. And he said, listen, if if you eat that thing, if you eat of that tree, you will become as God's knowing right from wrong and essentially you will die. So we are are living in the detritus of destruction of people living life in their own for their own purpose and the beauty of this is god had a plan all along and we we love to use the god story language you know because yeah my story yeah. is great but it, it's a subset of the big story and our work together is a subset of a really big story so whenever we're doing transformation this is really important that we hook into the big story that everything we do is comes out of that story and of course we know the story of the fall of noah but the three really important parts of the story are ones, of course, all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is filled with references to Abraham, Moses, and David. And so Abraham obviously brought along to be the progenitor or the beginner of a, of a of new people who would be, and it wasn't just the people of Israel, it was the people of faith. He was the founder of faith, actually. Yeah. He hoped against hope. He believed that he who, whatever God promised, he was able also to perform it. That's the basis of transformation. We're the children of faith, not just biological children of Abraham, Mm. but we are faith children. If we too, it says in Hebrews, if we too exercise our faith toward the promises of God, that we get to seek the welfare of the city because that's God's heart. And we get to hook our mic, as it were, our 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 uh, USB cable, you know, stick it into the things of God and and let it download into us to inform everything that we do. And so, you know, Abraham, of course, starting the new family, Moses, oh my gosh, that guy was multitasker. He was, he was a deliverer. He set them free from out from under the, the, the slave centric empire of, of Egypt. Everything about the empires of the world have been they've enslaved people. Yeah. And uh, of course, he brings them into a wilderness and they're thinking, what on earth, you know? But it was the wilderness of his presence. He wanted them to get to know him. Uh, that's why when we go through wildernesses in our lives, we should embrace it. That's where we find and discover the presence of God. And the presence of God is the is the engine, the nuclear rods, if you will, of transformation. That's where we learn it. Um, and then he brought him, of course, to the land, the beautiful land, where he was to be the, the theocratic ruler, the, the divine one. 
And, of course, they missed that as well and became involved in self-rule. And then, of course, the beauty of the whole story is that Jesus comes along and intentionally fulfills every one of those covenants. He himself did what no human could do. Um, He brought transforming power in such a way um, that he actually calls it the new creation. Yeah. What I've done is so spectacular. I've reversed everything that came from Adam and Eve. Every, all the rebellion, all of the uh, governments, all the individuals, all the idolatry, all of that stuff. All of my people uh, losing their heart for me and turning to other things. I've reversed that curse. And now we're going to create a whole new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Um, interesting in Isaiah, there's five new things, and it all begins with, I will make you a sharp threshing, a new sharp threshing instrument. So all newness starts with the person becoming new, renewed by God himself. It's a beautiful thing. Um, now, if we, look at, if we look at what Jesus actually did, everything Adam's race did contaminated the earth. It's contaminated. Yeah. Uh, one one theologian calls the earth's rulers usurpers <laughs> mm-hmm. because the enemy ultimately usurped the position of God. And so the keys were lost and the enemy got the keys. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, I'm now giving you the keys of the kingdom. I've won, I'm winning them and I've won them. And I now am going to form a new community, the one that Abraham looked forward to. I'm going to do it now. Yeah. And it's, we're going to call it the church. The, the household, the oikos of God. He said, look, what Moses did was great, but I'm your new deliverer. I'm your savior. I'm the one that... It's interesting because right now we've got a balloon floating over America that's a spy balloon from China. People are freaking out over this. Um, there's threats of war around the world. Um, the world is extremely in turmoil, and but we have a savior, a deliverer, who has fulfilled the covenant that Moses had, and he's saying, you don't need to be afraid of any of this stuff. Behold, I have overcome the world. And so the deliverance of, of Moses for us through Jesus um, is actually based on the cross. That's one thing that Moses could never do is die on the cross for us. But of the greatest delivery, if you want to know how to switch from empire thinking or the preeminence of rulers and all the sordid stuff that goes on to the kingdom, you... You have to understand the demarcation between history, old and new, is that we now have a cross that buried all that stuff, and he raised the newness of life. Living in resurrection power is a really important part of it. We'll get into that as we talk a little bit more about um, a biblical framework for for transformation. Um, it's, It's fun because the Lord, through Moses, of course, started a nation, and he's now started a nation through Christ. All those who believe in him are a royal priesthood, a holy race, a new nation unto the Lord. That's why our allegiances have to be to that nation, to that kingdom, over the other nations of the earth, the geopolitical things that are going on. Um, Jesus made his presence permanent through what he did. He says, now I've sent my my, uh, comforter and he will stay with you. He's not going away. Isn't that cool? I mean, the guys in the Old Testament had to come 
to the tabernacle every day. Blood was everywhere, the constant reminder of their sins. And now he says, no, I'm sending a comforter. The price is paid. It's done once and for all. And now what you can do is come to me, and I'm going to give you a righteousness consciousness. You're going to think of the beauty of this new presence of the Spirit. He's available to me for everything that I do. Pretty cool stuff. And then David, of course, we got old David, who through through David, Jesus sets up his eternal kingdom and comes into his throne once and for all. It's interesting about the throne of Jesus. It is, it is in place now, and he came to actually defeat the power of rebellious governments and thinking, like Pilate, don't you know that I have the authority to give you life or death? And Jesus looks at him and says, buddy, you don't have no authority unless my father gave it to you. That that Those are the two worldviews clashing with one another. And so we're in the clash at the moment, learning to live out this kingdom through this beautiful story of a king who's on his throne who was re- is relentless. He not will that. not give up until the earth is established as he so decide, designed it to be. So and it, following design right now in our discussion is a really important thing. We're going to call it new creation. Love it. You know, John, it's so cool to hear you <laughs> encouraging our listeners that... The power to tra- to transform is available to all of God's people. It's Everybody. not something that you no. got to go find. It's in you. If you have given your life to Jesus, the the resurrection power, the 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 power of God is alive in us. And so, how do we, John, begin to live transformational lives? What does that look like? Well, you know, Paul Paul uses this really cool phrase that we have the blessed hope. The blessed hope. Mm. And I love that phrase because when he finished his work on the cross, he ensured he assured our future. And the future, regardless of what's going on in the world right now, our, our future is such that we can trust him. And he says, look, you can trust me. I'm going to bring an end to this. I'm going to bring closure. I'm going to bring finality. And that's your hope. Look up for your redemption draws not. Look up. And so part of transformation, how we change our thinking is, are we being seduced by the negativity of the earth and the hopelessness that's in front of us? Look, the, the, the earth right now is going through childbearing. It's in labor. Right. The, the pangs that we see are the labor pangs. So the Lord says, look, no, no, no. Yes, I'm doing labor stuff. I, I'm shaking what can be shaken. I'm bringing forth my new creation like a child. And he said, but you need to have your eyes up. There's hope in this. And you're not going to have hope if you don't change your thinking. You, you've got to be renewed. Conf- don't be conformed to this world, but be renewed and transformed in your mind so that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If you ask people today, so what is the good and perfect will of God? So, you know, I'm not, hmm, I'm not really sure. And they, they tend to internalize it to their life. Put it in the really big picture. The good and perfect will of God is that everything is, all of creation is being restored. And how does that happen? By God's people thinking differently hmm. and thinking with hope and thinking with strategies that come from the Spirit of the Lord. Um, and that's kind of fun, actually. It's, it's not real like, fun to be. It's not fun to be depressed all the time, you know, or discouraged. 
I love how you sometimes say to me, how do you get um, Egypt out of your head and your life? (laughs) Right? Right. Yeah. But my friend Floyd McClung used to say, we have Christian hearts and Philistine heads. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. We're still thinking like Philistines, you know? So renewed minds produce kingdom deeds. If we're thinking kingdom thoughts and and being renewed, it will inform and motivate our our doing and our deeds. Isn't that? That's such a cool idea. But the converse is true, you know. Uh, An unrenewed mind leans on human understanding and systems. And this is the problem that Israel got into. They had a religious system, but denied the power of God. Jesus, the Son of God, walks into their midst, and they missed him completely. Yeah, they did. And that, that is not outside of the, the realm of possibility for God's people today. We, we can be the same way. We can have Jesus walk right in the middle and miss him completely. That is one of the scariest things that I can think of. Oh, yeah. To use all the language, have all the beliefs, and have Jesus walk right by me, and I, I can't smell the, the beauty of his fragrance. I can't detect what he's actually up to, you know. Um, breaks my heart to see that happening. You know, there's this, uh, what you're tapping onto is this idea of a deconstruction, that we've yeah. got to deconstruct, we got to get Egypt out of us, right? Yeah. And then a reconstruction. Yeah. And I think oftentimes I hear a lot of people talking about what they don't want, but are unable to declare mm. what they do want. Right. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts that you might throw out to our listeners um, about how do you, I mean, it's a scary process to start deconstructing things that you've built your life upon and then start to reconstruct something based on, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And yeah. the new creation has come. Yeah. The old has gone. The new is here, right? Yeah. So we're invited to, to allow the Lord to reconstruct us after we've deconstructed some of the things that have been the Egypt in us. What, right. what, what are some practical things, John, do you have that you could share with our listeners about this process of undoing to allow the Lord to recreate a new way forward in your life? Mm. The... Um... The beauty of the journey is that it never bypasses the cross. And I I just want to say to our listeners, listen, if you and I are resistant to the Lord taking everything away or requiring everything from us, Mm -hmm. um, then we won't be transformed. And so the goal of all God's transformation, Paul was very beautiful about it in Ephesians 4.13, he says, God is doing all this stuff. He's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the encouraging, for the equipping of the saints, the work of ministry. And here's why they, they were given. Each of those fivefold were actually a gift from God, a piece of Jesus, if you will. They didn't have a gift. They were the gift. And they were given to help the family of God. And this is how he puts it, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, right? That's our goal. We want to know him better. I'm crucified. I want to know him, the power of his resurrection, being conformed to his death unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Because God's taking our brokenness, deconstructing, and giving new creation so that together, this is not a scripture for individuals. 
We can take it individually. This is a scripture for the body that together we are being deconstructed and reconstructed. The, the, the cross was the greatest nuclear bomb in history. It yes. blasted through all the crap. And it says, now I'm putting it back together to be a family that brings new creation to my earth. So I, I don't know any other pathway than the pathway of surrender, of servanthood, of brokenness, and the beauty of new life that comes out of all that. He will do it. He will do it. He brings life from that. So, John and Ken, we're doing a deep dive, a biblical understanding of transformation, uh, starting with God, the move from self-rule to God's rule. John walked us through just briefly the covenants and how Jesus fulfilled them all and has, in effect, purchased, right, transformation. Something was deformed. Jesus yep. is transforming it. Beautiful. We address the personal transformation. Behold, we are new creations. Our participation yep. in that, the renewing of our minds individually. Now, take us into city and church. How, you know, how do cities part? What does that look like at the city level? What does that look like at the church level in terms of the outworking of this right, right. and the engagement of this further? You know, we, we grew, if you grew up in the church, you grew up hearing all these wild theological terms like uh, sanctification, justification, redemption, reconciliation. All those became kind of biblical theologies or truth. And I'm not sure, sure. I, I really understood what all that was about. Every one of those words, every one of those words is a new creation word. It, it means that at the personal level, we are now justified. That means God has basically said, I've erased your old identity, I'm giving you a new one. It, the sanctification, there's a process of going from what we are to what he's making us. That process is called sanctification. Reconciliation, all that means is friendship with God and others was broken. In fact, he says in the world, there's a spirit of enmity, of warfare between races. And Jesus came to reconcile and put it back together again. Mm. Well, mm. what about that good old word, redemption? Some of us old guys remember the whole redemption stores, green stamps. You would get stamps for the amount of purchase that you get. <laughs> and then they would give you stamps. And then you go to the redemption store and, you know, claim claim some kind of prize for all the stamps. You get a toaster or something ridiculous, you know. And think of it. Everything that the Lord has done for you and me was because he paid a price for a kidnapped people. All of creation was kidnapped. He paid the ransom and he redeemed us and brought us back into right standing with him. When we think about the language regarding the church, the language isn't about organizations and structures and pastors. It's about a priesthood. It's about that everybody has been deployed as emissaries of the Holy Spirit into all of life. He, he calls us Adelphos, that we're siblings, we're brothers. Interesting, there's no male or female tense or um, there's no gender in the word Adelphos. It's both male and female, just like in creation. Man was male and female, made he them in one Create, created uni, union, if you will. I'm finding it hard to find the words. But it's the same with Adelphos, that we are brothers and sisters. We're one creation together. And without male and female in the mix, creation can't, can't look right. And so that's why we've got to make sure our wives and our husbands 
uh, that we're loving each other as Christ loved the church. Uh, the beautiful language that he uses about mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters in the church, the beautiful language of oikos, the household of God, that anyone under your umbrella is part of your households, not just your nuclear family. It's those that God has rolled into your life to take care of and watch over their souls. How about ecclesia? Now, ecclesia is an unbelievable redemptive concept that the Greco-Roman world had assemblies that were non decision-making bodies that informed the council of the city. So they were the grassroots informing the city what were the needs, and, and they had debates, and they went through the whole thing. God uses the same term, church, ecclesia, and he says, I've put my kingdom assembly into the politeia, into the realm of human life, to be a, a not a governing body, but to be an influence of picking up the impulses on the ground, sending them up to the ruler, Jesus on his throne, and getting instructions on how to, to deploy themselves into the realm of, of that city and of that of that. That's the role of the church. We're, we're the ecclesia. We're the assembly of God on earth yeah. in a defiled earth. God has put us here to, to send the love vibes to everything that we sure. do. How cool is that? And then, of course, the term body of Christ is used. Um, that That is just so simple. It says we, we are a construct of many parts. And the most important part of the body, it's, this, this term is not used in the New Testament much at all. Uh, but it, it's a significant one. The most important part of the body is that there is only one head. Only one head. So God is re deconstructing, reconstructing the church to get back to Jesus, the head of the church again. So I'm kind of running through these very quickly, and I, I encourage our guys to, to look into these things on your own. Check out this stuff for yourself. Don't just take our word for it. Uh, it's very important that when we talk about city transformation, uh, that we realize that a lot of it in Scripture is based on this concept of good works. And you can mm. refer back mm. to one of our earlier podcasts last, last season where we delineate between yeah what we call the agathos works or the uh, serving the common good. We're called to do that as believers. What is the dream of our leaders in our cities and, and states? Serve it. Get behind it. We're, we're working in Tennessee right now. And one of the big things there is foster care. Well, man, that's an easy one to get behind. Mm. I mean, God loves these beautiful children. Tens of thousands of children not placed. Right? So... <clears throat> We get to do that, and that's the dream of the governor and many in the in the state. So we get to get around that and help facilitate a real strategy to eradicate uh, the problems of wandering kids and homeless kids and kids that don't have a place to be loved and are raised up in, in, in yes. beauty. Kalos um, <clears throat> was a little more specific, and it's all in Titus three eight. It referred to as the kind of good works that are done after you've been renewed by the Spirit. So now the the Spirit mm. of the Lord comes into our lives, and we get to do God's revelational strategy. So He, it, we don't just serve the common good. We get specifics from God on how we roll out, like foster care. The whole state's involved in foster care. As believers, we get to get the strategic Holy Ghost um let him roll out to us what his heart for is and how we go about doing yes. it. Um, and then, of course, the, we've looked at the word oikonomia, which just simply means it's back to Genesis 128, 
that God said, I want you to tend the earth, steward the earth. So we, we are now oikonomos. We are stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. Um, it, such As you can see in all of these words, it's all about new creation. It's all about the old yeah. becoming new. It's all about, it's like a tool chest that God's given you. It's like a tool belt, you know, like a carpenter rolls onto the site and he's got this big, nasty tool belt and it's got all this stuff sticking out of it. I was looking at a cop the other day, a policeman in the, in the uh, <laughs> at the airport. My gosh, that guy's got so much stuff hanging off his body. That's what God's given us, that kind of a tool chest. I love it. New creation language basically becomes our new reality as we begin to work mm. into the soil of our cities and into culture and begin to uh, bring some of these words that, that John was talking about, like justification, sanctification, redemption. You know, those are things that, that Christ has done in us. But what does it mean to so much have your own identity completely changed that you become a son and a daughter. You know where you begin, you know where you mm. end, you know what God's assignment is for your life. And that you go as a justified uh, saint into the work of bringing justice uh, to to the city, to the place where you where there where there are things that have have broken identity and there's injustice remaining. Or what does it mean to to bring reconciliation? Just as you were reconciled, what does it mean to be an agent of bringing peace? Bible says, seek seek the welfare of the city. What does it mean to reconcile those things that are out of line? This is this is new creation language, and I hope that our our listeners are understanding. And then, of course, redemption. Um, how are, how are we going about redeeming something? One of the things that, that you've heard John and I talk a lot about is this idea that, that, you know, the problems that often lie in our city are the result of broken covenants. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a sense in which the work that we're doing, we're going back to restore, redeem those things that were broken and made yeah. right again. Yeah, that's wonderful. Beautiful. So the creation mandate that John's talking about is just that, God wanting his family, us, the children of God, to begin to build, renew, justify, restore, reconcile where we're planted. And, you know, you've heard us say this, Jesus is the architect, right? Um, he's the one with the plans. And yeah. so it's not our plan, it's his plan. And he wants to deploy us. He wants us to get busy, uh, yeah. not just just being busy, but listening to the download of the Holy Spirit and engaging in listening to what God wants done and in obedience doing that. Yes. And I think if you go back and listen to some of our more recent uh, interviews that John and I have done as we've been on the road meeting people from Ben in Sheffield to Renee in Portland, Sean just last week. Every yes. one of their stories were beautiful stories of how they are, are doing this. They're going back and restoring God's creation. Absolutely. Uh, fellas, as we near the end of this episode, I'm just struck by you know some of the immense implications that all that you've just covered, starting like the beginning of time, right to our current <laughs> moment. Um, would, uh, Ken, 
just yeah. you know address John, pick up on some of those um, sure. the implications on us and what we do with this. Well, I think one of the implications that I, I think is really important is that at the very beginning of the work of city engagement, city any city movement, we need to design and build from a place that's rooted in a a story of transformation, a theology yeah. of transformation. Because here's why. If we don't, if we don't do that, at best, we'll experience some growth and some development work. However, we will continue to operate with unrenewed minds that mm. rely on human understanding and its systems mm. rather than on what God is outlining for us in scripture. And I think the other thing that I would just say is a, I think it, an important implication is that the work we do is got to be done unto the Lord as a priest in the city. That, that what I'm talking about really, guys, is the priesthood of all believers, right? That we are a living organism, yes. that we're linked together as a family, a unified family, the people of God, to be the body of Christ in the city. And this means that to the world who is looking on, uh, we've been given flesh and blood existence in this day. We are the... The, the representation of Christ in the city. And so we must be transformed. If we are not transformed into the image of Christ and conform to God's rule, then we'll try to rule based on what we think's best rather than what he has said. And yes. we have to bring that into every area of our lives, into our work, into our family. We've got to engage um, uh, in our neighborhoods. In, w look at culture. What's broken in, in culture right now? What what is God asking me to bring to it as as a priest? I I am a priest in my city. How do I show up? Yeah. This is this is the implication for what what we're talking about here. John, I wonder if you just expound on you mentioned earlier just revelational strategy and the significance of the Holy Spirit's activity. Uh, can you just expound on that a little bit more here? So the Spirit of the Lord, of course, was given as a, as the go-between the throne in heaven and the footstool on earth. And he, he is ours. He is in us. We're in him. He is available. Uh, it's really interesting. I was talking to a friend this week who this is kind of new for him, and he's a mm -hmm. very significant business business leader. And I don't think he realized just how much the Holy Spirit talks to him throughout the day. In terms of really hard decisions regarding contracts and per permissions for building this, that, and the other, and the way he navigates with the people that are in his world is beautiful. I mean, he cares for them, he loves them, but he's always seen it as kind of his personality functioning. And now he's beginning to realize this is the spirit of the Lord working through him to bring real real new kind of new creation to the building industry and that he's involved in. I yes. mean, it, it's a lot closer than we think. Um, I think uh, <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is the greatest missionary. The Spirit of the Lord is the one that's been given us to understand anything, everything. We don't understand it, just say, I don't get it. Help, 
You know, yes. we don't know yes. how to pray. Great, pray in the Spirit. Let the Spirit pray through you. I mean, learning to become familiar, become a friend with the Spirit of the Lord. I, I want to tell you, there's hardly anything more fun than that. Yes. No, when you're rolling into something new and you don't have any idea what to do, in that moment it shall be given to you. you I'll tell you what to say. Oh, you know, and I, I want to encourage your listeners. Listen, you guys, this is so present and available. And forget all the stuff you've heard about charismatics and speaking in tongues and weird manifestations. Get get out of that world and just say, tell me and teach me how to relate to the real Holy Spirit and have mm, it be active mm. in my life and oh, everything I do. That's great so prayer. good. And you know, it, it is the Holy Spirit who is at work in us to help conform our minds and yes. give us the mind of Christ so that we understand. Uh, you know, if, if the result of not having the mind of Christ in the yeah. work of bringing about transformation is not good. Not it's good. not good. Like, <laughs> we, what we end up doing is a lot of religious activities, but we, we totally miss Jesus, who is walking among us by his spirit. And, mm-hmm. and that's a terrifying thought, right? To, yes. To miss the spirit and what the spirit's wanting to do. Um, yeah. In the middle, John, you, you made this reference like the USB. How do we hook into <laughs> right. the power? And yeah. I'm hearing you say the Holy Spirit is that avenue that we hook into mm-hmm. a much bigger story, a much more powerful yeah. force, hello, God in and through us, right, who's already done this work and is eager to accomplish it and fulfill it through us. Right. It's a great imagery. But, yeah, and to receive the Holy Spirit at any level always takes a surrendering of self-thinking. It doesn't mean we become yeah. blobs and don't think. It's, it's that the mind is surrendered to the Spirit, and it's an act. It's an actual choice that we have to say. You know, I'm $90,000 short on this thing that we have to do to purchase for that thing over there. I, I, we try everything. You know, we go to the bank. We really Stop. Just stop and say, wait a minute. Until I get an impulse from the Spirit, I'm not going to keep trying to figure this thing out. So we take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. We lay that anxiety down, and we say, now, Lord, I am not obligated to do anything that you don't tell me to do. Give me your leading. Give me your guidance. Give me your nudge. Mm-hmm. Your word. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. It's absolute fun. I think I would just also encourage our, our, our people that the work of the church is is not to continue to build churches that are full of spectators. Yes. But, um, you know, I hope that our listeners are hearing us say that this, when you, when you submit yourself to the, the process of deconstructing and reconstructing based on the power of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to give mm-hmm. us the mind of Christ, what starts to happen is, you know, we stop sitting on the sidelines watching and uh, we, we, we get involved. We, we start to have measurable impact on our neighborhoods. And we start going into the workplace with, with vision and new ideas of how, how things can be, can be changed so that people start to see who God is. And we are the reflection of Him. Um, yes. And, you know, part of, of being a Christ follower is being a leader. And I think that's part of the, the remaking of us that 
that Jesus promises to do is that he expects his children, his sons and his daughters to lead. And we need leadership. And, um, and, and God wants to help us to be leaders yes. that, that are leading based on his rule um, on, and, and bringing about that, that new creation mandate that, that we're talking about. And this is the story of transformation. Yeah. When we talk about city transformation, let's, let's go in and transform a city. Uh, what we're talking about is it starts with us. The reason I believe it's possible to transform a city is because Jesus has transformed Transformed me. me. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so good. Gentlemen, thank you. Just thank you for the deposit and the reminder. And I love that City Table carries at its core an invitation to anyone and everyone to pull up and take your seat at the table to know you can participate, that this story, this God story is for anyone and all that bear the Spirit of God, that have surrendered their lives to Jesus, which is not just a one-time thing, but an ongoing daily thing, letting our minds be renewed, our hearts surrendered, moving from self-rule to God-rule, and hooking in to that power source, as you put it, John, the meta-narrative, this grand work that God has done and is doing through the Mm. saints, the people of God, to transform and renew the earth. Let it be so through us in increasing Amen, measure. Amen, David. That's right. Well, I appreciate you. Two things I'm taking from this. One is I need to figure out how to use the word detritus as effortlessly as John did. I don't know if you can do that today, Kenyaki, but you you go to do that. And if you can add progenitor in there as well, then they'll give you five extra dollars. So we're going to do that. And then second takeaway. Uh, the second takeaway was what? Oh, man. I lost it. I lost it. I lost I'm it so in the glad you lost it there. We're, we love it when you lose things. Oh, mercy. It just... Oh, beautiful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we bless you to play your part, to find your yes, and to join others in City Table in participating of God's great work of redemption in any and every city you call home. We'll check you next time. City Table Podcast is produced by Wheelhouse Studios in Kansas City, and our theme music is provided by Mountain City Music. If you like what you hear, give us a like or a rating. It really helps other people find this podcast. Encourage you to visit citytable.org for more info, resources, and ways to connect with John and Ken, as well as the broader City Table community. Thanks again, and take care.